1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse number 10. And it says this, I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. If you have a different version, we'll get to the same place together. Amen. Paul said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the what? Same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Same mind and same judgment. Paul is saying, I plead with you. He's trying to let us know, uh, those disciples and apostles and congregants and pastors and bishops and elders and whoever was part of the church there and, uh, back in Corinth, that uh, it's, it's highly important. I plead with you, brethren, that you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak, speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. And that you be perfectly, not just join together. Let's not just come together as a church and get together. He said that you be perfectly joined together. I think if we think about that, it takes it to a new level. It takes our thinking to a new level about church and about Christians and about what it is we're doing. We're not just getting together to say that we've got together. Come on, this is, this is about a higher call than us. We're talking this morning about unity and a unified church. And how many know that unity is not natural to the flesh? It really isn't. Divisions and fragmentations are really signs of sickness. You, know, you think about many sicknesses. Uh, you know, divisions and fragmentations, uh, it's a sign really that the enemy is at work. Sin causes separation. Cohesion and unity, uh, they're, they're God's way and they're God's evidence uh, that his presence is there. It's why we need unity. We can do more together than we can alone. 1 Peter 5.8 says uh, that we need to be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, <laughs> ah, he, 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 he's an adversary. We know that. And he's, it says it this way. He's as a roaring lion, and he walketh about seeking whom he can destroy. Be vigilant. Be sober. In other words, look up. Don't let life pass you by. Don't not pay attention to what's going on. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, in case you didn't know who he was, the devil as a roaring lion, he's not hiding, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may destroy. Now, let me tell you something. I read this verse of scripture in 1 Peter 5, 8, and I started looking at that because God, you know, God doesn't do things by happenstance and just by chance. God uh, doesn't just throw words in just to have them in there. There's reasons that the Lord puts things in scripture. And so when I saw that he put the devil is as a roaring lion, I said, well, what about that? He walketh about seeking whom he can destroy. So I began to look at lions and how lions hunt. And one thing about lions is, uh, lion, they're most successful when they hunt uh, in, in the darkness of night, under cover, and they're most successful to the single prey, to the one that's separated from the pack. 
They look at the pack and they see one that's straying a little bit, one that's not paying attention quite as much. Come on, the one that's maybe eating and grazing over here and the pack's kind of moving this way and the, and, the, and the lion's watching that one. That's the one I can get. Most successful with the one that's on the side. But here's something that I looked at that you might not know about lions. Lions uh, do not have a great success rate when they hunt. I bet you didn't know that. You think a lion, yeah, a lion every single time. No, a lion, if you look at the percentage, their success rate is not real great when they hunt. That's why they're always hunting. And here's, here's one of the reasons why. Look this up. Here's one of the reasons why. is because a lion does not take into account the wind. You say, Brother Michael, what does that have to do with anything? Well, if a lion is hunting and the lion is upwind, come on, the scent gets to the prey and the hunt is over before it even began. So the lion doesn't, doesn't really take into account the wind. I want to tell you this morning uh, that the prey is able to smell sometimes the lion before it gets there. There's somebody, I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody here smells your enemy. You smell your enemy coming. See, our problem is not that we don't recognize sometimes the enemy and that we don't smell the enemy, but we don't do anything about it. A gazelle, if he smells or she smells a lion in the bush coming down wind, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm not staying around. I'm gone. If I, just a hint. You ever watch the deer, uh, you know, get water out of a stream? A deer, is, it's interesting to me uh, uh, that a deer, you know much more than I would, Eldon, and some of you uh, who maybe hunt and know a little more wildlife, but just well, from what I've seen, you know, a deer, I'm surprised a deer is able to even drink water. I mean, a deer would... Hey, a deer is watching out. <laughs> I mean, if a lion's going to catch me, I mean, he's going to be good. She's going to be good if she catches me. And so a deer's always looking out. Here's the thing, though, that the difference in you and a gazelle or a deer and why you don't have to run, you need to do something different, is because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have something that a deer and a gazelle and whatever other prey doesn't have. So when you smell the enemy, you don't have to take off running, but you have to be aware. You can face the enemy. You can begin to speak the word at the enemy, and you can conquer the enemy. A lot of times it's not that we don't know the enemy is there, but we don't use the word, the weapons of our warfare that we have to conquer. We just allow the enemy to do what he wants to. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the devil coming in my house and doing what he wants to do. I'm tired of the enemy just having his way in this world. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of going one step forward and six steps backwards in every area of my life. And I can't look at anybody else but me. All you can do is look in the mirror. Because God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. You have your weapons. Come on. You have the word. You have your word. You have God's word coming through you. You have prayer. Come on. 
And you know, one, one, of, the, one of the parts of the, the, the weapon that we, we, you know, we talk about the breastplate of righteous, righteousness. I didn't memorize all these scriptures, and I'm just going to quote scripture, as you should. We have the helmet of salvation. I've confessed with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I have all of these. I have the shield of faith. We need to pick up the shield of faith. I have the shield of faith, the word, the rhema word of God. You know, one of the things that we miss, we kind of say, oh, well, you know, my feet are shod with the, 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 the you know, the peace. My, my feet are shod with righteousness and peace. Uh, you know, okay. No, listen, everywhere you go, this is where we miss it sometimes. Everywhere you go as a Christian, you should be bringing peace and love. Any situation, you walk into a room, you should be bringing peace and love and victory into that room. You walk into a situation that's volatile, you should be bringing peace and love into that situation that's volatile. And I think that's how we get smacked around sometimes. I, I, you know, I was telling some of the young people that I love some, there's some memes. I know you, you, know, you older people don't look at all the memes, you know. But I, I love one of these memes. They, my daughter keeps telling me about this thing called the tea. You know, the, the tea is like the gossip, you know. And uh, what, one of the things these memes do is they'll have people, you know, kind of hide saying, well, I don't want to be involved in the gossip. I just want to know what it is. I just want to hear what, what they're saying. I don't want to be involved in it, you know. And, uh, you know, we don't want to be all the way in it. We just want to, want to hear what they're saying. I just, I just want the tea. <laughs> That's the way we are sometimes. we stirring up stuff. Come on. It ain't about all that. For us as Christians, we should be bringing peace and love and victory and overcoming in every situation that we're in because we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's about unity. This 1 Corinthians 1.10, look at what the Amplified says. It, Amplified puts it this way. Paul says, but I urge you, believers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, not some of you, not the Presbyterians, not just the Baptists, not just the Apostolics, not just church in Christ, not just non not, not just you, not white church, black church, Korean church, not just this or that. All of you, all of you, of you be in full agreement, not just partial agreement. I'm going to say some things. Not just agreement about baptism and not about tongues. Not just in agreement about fellowship and not in agreement about outreach. Not in agreement about the Trinity, but not in agreement about oneness. I know I'm throwing some things out there that, that cause us to split. We argue over silly things sometimes. Not that those, that those doctrines are silly, but we make them silly sometimes. He said that I want you to be in full agreement, full agreement in what you say, that there be no divisions or factions among you. I don't want you, I don't want you splitting off, Church of Corinth. Come on now, that's what he's saying. I'm not making it up. No factions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your way of thinking and in your judgment about the matters of faith. The Holman Bible puts it this way. Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. There be no divisions among you and that you be united. Here it is, with the same understanding and conviction. This is where we miss it because... I always say it, but it bears repeating every time is that, you know, it's not about I'm going to prove you wrong and you're going to prove me wrong and who's right between me and you. Neither, if we have that attitude, neither one of us is right. It's about Jesus. What did Jesus say? 
How did he do it? What does he want us to say? Come on. Whatever he says, come on somebody, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Our minds should come together about the word of God. And if you don't, if you don't understand it, if, if Brother Randy and I have a disagreement about our understanding of, of, a, of a word or a passage of scripture, what should we do? Should we fight it out? No, because, you know, he'll beat me up. What should we do? We should go to the scripture ourselves and, what, and, and try to get it understood. Pray. What are you saying, Lord? Your word works. You tell us. And it's not about him being right over me or me being right over him, but it's about both of our minds having the mind of Christ. That's what it's about, coming together. This Acts 2 church believes in unity. The Acts 2 church believes in unity and togetherness. Over in Acts 2, 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Over in chapter 4, 24, So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. They, had, they came together. It was with one accord. Down in verse 32 of that same chapter, Now the multitudes of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things they possessed was their own, but they had all things in common. And then over in chapter 5, verse 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among people, and they were all with one accord on Solomon's porch. Sometimes we wonder, why are signs and wonders not done in the church today? Where are the healings? Was that just for biblical days? Well, I have to tell you something this morning. You are in biblical days. You're still in biblical days. The Bible is still here. The word that worked back then, when Jesus healed the woman who had the issue of blood back then, it's the same today. Nothing has changed. His word hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If someone was healed then, you can be healed today. If someone was able to overcome sin then, you can overcome sin today. If someone was able to be delivered then, same today. You are in biblical days. And so we have to have a commitment. We have the Acts 2 church has a commitment. The A2 church is committed to living and working together with one heart, one soul, and one vision. We're committed to that. We're committed to something that's bigger than us. Because listen, I said this and I'll say it again all through this series, is that when you are committed to something that's bigger than you, God, when you're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, you benefit from it. Blessings will overtake you. But when you focus on your circumstances, you can't fix everything. You can fix it maybe Monday, but Wednesday is going to be right back, and it may be worse. Come on. We can't do that, but with the Word of God, speaking the Word of God with confidence and boldness. Come on. We can forge the path. We can forge the path. We can, we can create. God, God will give us the words, uh, and we will speak the words that will create situations and circumstances. We'll be able to walk on water, walk on our circumstances. Come on. But we have to believe that. It's not just for someone else or someone who's more holy. God loves everyone the same. He loves you just as much as he loved Billy Graham. And I guarantee you, if you will speak the word just like Billy Graham spoke the word, the same results. Come on. Now, he has us in different places in the body, of course, different positions, different, as he sees fit. We know that as he sees fit, but he's, he's no respecter of person. 
all of us can be blessed in our purpose, in our metron. That's a whole another message. But as long as we're in our metron, as long as we're in our purpose, what God put us to do, we'll be just as happy. And it won't matter who's more famous or who's less famous or who uh, wrote this book or who did what or who's the pastor or who's. It doesn't matter. If you're in your metron, we'll all be just as satisfied as the other through faith. By grace you are saved, yes, God did his part, but through faith, faith is what activates it. You have to speak it, come on, through faith. But the A2 church, we're committed to being together and on the same accord. Here's our beliefs, the A2 church beliefs, that the anointing, this is a big one, on any one of us is not as powerful as the anointing on all of us. Come on, come on now. It, that, that line is looking for something because you, you think you're anointing and you think, you know, well, these people just don't understand. I got this revelation and uh, these people just don't understand. So I'm going to go it alone. Yeah, that's what the lion wants you to do. Move over just a little bit more. Coming after you. The anointing on one of us is not as powerful as the anointing on all of us. That's why when they were together speaking the same thing, miracles happened. Come on, I mean, people were healed. People were delivered. Demons were cast out. Lame walked. Come on. Together. Unity overcomes the insurmountable and reaches the unachievable. Together we can do this thing, and it brings the power to make the impossible possible and to change dreams into reality. Change dreams into reality. That's what God wants. He wants you to have a dream but he wants to make that dream reality. He doesn't want your, your, your whole life to be one big long dream. Come on now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but he doesn't want your life. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I don't want to get off on that. But wherever you are, today is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it and understand he can change things today, this very moment. Your future can change even right now. The presence of the Lord is here to heal and to make. You know what? His presence is not here to change your destiny. His presence is here to let you realize your destiny. There's things he's already done and things he's already purposed. You're just not in a realization of it. God is here this morning to open your eyes to some things about your life. Some things about your life. Come on. He just wants you to open your eyes to it. And so this church... It's called to unity, together. Let's do this thing together. Let me give you a few words denoting unity. Number one, agree. Come on, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Amos chapter 3. Agree in the Greek is this word symphoneo, and it means to harmonize as in one accord, to cooperate together, to bind as in agreement. You can tell when, 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 when folks are not in agreement. You can tell when a church or a group or whatever it might be is not in agreement. You can tell. I mean, to those of us who are somewhat familiar with music, it he talk, agree talks about harmonizing together. You can tell when two people harmonize. One person hits a C and the next person hits a knee, but that E's a little bit flat. Y'all ain't all the way something. You can, and you can tell. You can tell with people. But here's the thing. And you know what it is? What we do? We settle for that. We settle for that. Now, I'm not talking about music. I know everybody, you know, is not the greatest singer in the world. But, I'm, but we settle for it in our life. And, and we don't have to. The reason I know is because he used this word perfectly joined together. And allow God to do it. I think one of the reasons is because we keep trying it and we can't do it. 
Instead of submitting to God, we, we, can't, we try to do it. We can't do it. So we settle for being a little bit flat in our life. And God is saying, no, nah, don't be flat. Be perfectly joined together. I'll help you do it. Seek me. I'll show you how to do it. Agree. Next word, together. To gather together, to draw together, to bring together, to join together. That's why we have Agape Fest. That's why we are having an Easter breakfast. That's why we do men's meetings and women's meetings. And, uh, you know, we get together. We fellowship together. No one is an island. Next word is one accord. Come on. It comes from the Greek word homotheos, meaning to be, here's, it means to be unanimous. No doubt about it. When we're on one accord, it's unanimous. We all agree. And in unity, it's, this, it's the Greek word that means to be in agreement with singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. Understand this, folks. We're, we're, we're called to be one. We're called to be one in every way. We're called to be one with one heart. We're, we're called to be one with one mind. See, one heart means that we, there's, a, there's a feeling we have one for another. No matter what you look like or what differences we may have, there's just something about, you know, when, when we're together. I, I just know it. I call it, I know it in my knower. As a Christian, we'll say, I know it in my spirit. You know, when I'm talking with Carrie together, there's just something, you know, even though, you know, she's in great shape and I got the belly. But still, there's something, you know, that's together about us. There's something together as Christians that we just know, you know in your mind. And, and, one, and one mind simply means that we seek the mind of Christ. Sure, I want to be right, but I want to be Christ right. Come on, not Mike right. I want to be Christ right. What does God say about it? And here's the thing you have to be willing to do at the end of the day. You may have thought something your whole life, been there. You may have thought something your whole life and been convicted about it, and all of a sudden, you get a revelation. And it's not just someone telling you. It's not just Sister Carol telling me it's not that way. But when she told me, I, I knew it. I, I, I knew it. I saw it in the, in the Word, and I had a revelation about it. But because I'm so stubborn, and I've been telling people one thing all these years, I'm not going to back down for what I thought I believed. You've got to be willing to change if God is right and you're wrong. If God, I'm not saying be wishy-washy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying with every wind of doctrine, but what I'm saying is when God is right and you're wrong, listen, you're wrong about faith. You got to be willing to change and say, you know what? I, I don't have anything to say about it. I see it in the word. I, I can't dispute it. I can't say just because it didn't happen with me, it's not right. Who's not right? God or you? I got to look in the mirror and say, well, I'm not right. God's right. I'm not right. You got to be willing to change. One mind, one judgment. We got to be able to judge with one judgment. And we got to be on one accord. We have one spirit. And at the end of the day, we have to have one focus. And that is Christ. All the other purposes that are up under that uh, will come to realization if we first start with that one focus. I say this too that, that the, church is, the church is all about Jesus. If it doesn't start there, then don't even talk to me about church. Don't talk to me. Don't tell me about church if it's not starting with Jesus. Jesus is the church. He's the chief cornerstone. It's his church. He had the idea for the church. He made the church. He built the church and he's building the church. 
He's the head of the church. Come on. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the Rose of Sharon, the Lion of Judah. There is no church without Jesus the Christ. So if that's not settled in your mind, then there's nothing really to discuss about church. So we start there. And once we have that, all the other parts, once we have that focus, we begin to read the Gospels and see what Jesus taught us. Not hard to find. Right there in red, you can read it. Everything Jesus said. Come on now. We can read that and we can understand where Jesus is taking us. Last thing I want to tell you is here's some things that we let come in. And then we'll finish this up next week. We let, we let unity destroyers come in. Because what happens is we understand that, yeah, you know what, that, you know, what you're saying, at least some of what you're saying makes some sense. And that we should be together in unity and we can, we can do more together than we can apart. You know, because I understand this, you know, in any company, church, wherever it might be, group of people, you know, we have that, that rule, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You ever heard that before? You know, you find it to be true. You find it to be true on your job. You find it to be true in the grocery store, wherever it might be. When you're putting up the Christmas tree, you know, I'm over there drinking cocoa and everybody else putting up the Christmas tree, you know. And, uh, but, I, you know, I might put one little thing on there. I did my part. You know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, and, and so, uh, so we, we say, oh, yeah, I understand that. I, so, so what you're saying is if we all do it together, not only will we get done quicker, but it won't be as hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, I understand this unity thing. So we get on board with unity, but then what happens is we allow some things to come in. And here's the one thing that we allow to come in is an offense. You can be together. You can be doing it together for a whole week. And all of a sudden, somebody gets offended. And I don't know whose fault it is, the offender or the offendee. Maybe they said something, they didn't mean it that way, and you took it a different way, and now you're offended. Maybe they were upset, and they said something they shouldn't have said, and now you're offended. But I want to tell you something about offense. Offense is a, a, it, it is a, it is a key of the enemy. It, it's a bait stick. I, you know, I, I used to love, I'm with this, I used to love... Uh, the reason why when I, I, I came here to Indiana uh, years and years and years ago, I, be, I immediately became a Colts fan. And uh, we drafted Peyton Manning, right, all those years ago. And uh, one of the things that I just absolutely, I was so entertained by Peyton Manning is because one of the, he was just so smart. And what, what he would do is he'd always catch the other team a lot of times with, with 12 men on the field. You know, he'd, he'd be acting like they're just, you know, messing around while the other team is, is substituting. You're only allowed to have 11 men on the field at a time if you're on the defense or on the offense. And so they'd be in the huddle or whatever, and then you see them running guys in and running guys off the field. And then he'd tell his guys, hurry up, get to the line and call a play. And if you call the play and they still have more than 11 men on the field, they get a penalty. Right. So he would always do that. And another thing he would do is he would come up to the line and he made all these gestures. You know, you guys have seen it. You Peyton Manning fans, you know, he'd be making all these gestures, you know. And uh, what's he trying to do? Part of what he's trying to do is get the other team to jump off sides, right? He's trying to get them to jump off sides. And he gets them to jump off sides, and all of a sudden they get a penalty. Let me tell you something. That is all your enemy is doing. He goes, ha! And you say, what? You What? And now you jumped off sides. Now you're offended or you offended someone else. And the enemy uses this so often, this offense. We cannot allow offenses 
to cause us to break up our unity. That's why it's not that offenses don't happen even, but that's why, he, you know, the Bible talks about it. Go, go to your brother, go to your sister if you're offended and talk it out. If they won't listen to you, bring someone else. Then go to the church. Just don't start talking about them behind their back. It's a unity destroyer. Understand this. We can do so much more together. I want to tell you this morning that if you are in a place where you, you feel alone, you feel like you're going it alone, you feel like nobody understands you, people just don't get you, all of those things, I want to let you know this morning that unity is a better way. There are people that get you. And there are people that understand what you're going through. There are people who've already gone through what you're going through. And if you really can't find anyone, start right here. Start right here. God, God will lead you. Jesus will guide you to a place. Come on. First of all, with him. And he'll bring others in your life who will be and walk this walk, who will be with you and walk this walk together with you. We can do more together than we can alone.